Welcome to another episode of El Cafecito. My name is Leonardo Casenza. I'm your host for the second season. Remembering the, that El Cafecito is affiliated to the Latin American Studies program. And we'd also like to thank the Office of the Vice President for the award that made this podcast possible. And now I can go for my introduction. Kiss, kiss, hug, hug. Hey guys, my name is Daniel or Dani. I'm a psychology student from York University and quarantine got me really connected actually. Hi, my name is Maria. I'm studying political science in the University of British Columbia. Uh, for me, like digital life has completely changed how I relate with my friends. Hola, hello, Cubo. My name is Raquel. And my birthday, well, I have to spend it just on Zoom calls and WhatsApp calls with friends and family, but it was a lovely day. Hi, everyone. It's Anna, and my convocation was on YouTube this year. So we're all here together to talk about how digital life has changed our lives. And as this is a podcast on Latin America, I'd like to first ask everyone, how has, how has this new digital reality that COVID has made us undergo, how has it changed your reality around you? So um, we know that we have people from all, all different countries in Latin America here. Some people are in Canada, but I want to know how has... How have you undergone this digital transition um, in this past few weeks? I think I have mixed feelings about how I'm connecting or how I'm using social media and different online platforms to connect with people. It has been a challenge, but I'll say I'm very fortunate to have access to like Wi-Fi and um, be able to pay for different services to do fun activities and just try to entertain myself during lockdown. But at the same time, it's it's hard because, well, I'm an international student, so I'm kind of like used to not being close to friends and family from home. Uh, but this quarantine time, I felt more disconnected, but at the same time, I felt more connected with them because I was able to reconnect with people that I wasn't talking as much as before. So I have mixed feelings about the whole experience. I feel that I've been connecting more to people in this quarantine. I think there's a greater need, at least for me, um, to talk to people, especially on Friday nights where nothing is really happening. And then you end up calling a friend or two or even a group of friends. Um, and then the quarantine is, is making me also, I have more time during the day. So I'll end up calling people like in the middle of the day, which is something I usually can't do when uh, we're in my normal studies. But yeah, definitely. It's, it's interesting how it has allowed us to get closer to certain people, even though we're so far away. But you know what? I don't know if you guys have experienced this. I hate texting. I hate it. And I hate writing messages. I hate having conversations over Messenger. And so for me, I at first I was feeling very disconnected because I make plans with my friends and I see them in person, but I hate texting them. And so the quarantine happened and I was like, oh my God, I'm not talking to anyone because I don't do it. And so I, I try to start FaceTiming more and Zooming more. But for me, it's been very difficult because I, for me, I just love seeing people in person or having phone calls. So I don't know if any of you guys experienced that. Totally. Like for me, um, I feel the same way. I'm really bad at answering texts. I think Raquel can tell. Uh, I, I feel yep. like disconnected. <laughs> so I usually, when I text someone, I I think I already replied, but I just don't remember. Me too, that me I too. Didn't reply. So 
um, in that sense, it has been really hard. But I also found that it has been a good opportunity like to be all around the world without really moving. I think that this podcast is a really good example. Like we have been able to talk with people from different parts of the world, from our living room and like just not moving. So which I find it um, really cool. So that's a limitation that we initially had. Um, and that's something that I, I feel the most in the podcast is whenever we're together and we usually record it at the office of the organization of Latin American studies at the university of Toronto. And it's just the three of us, four of us sitting in that room. And I feel it's a more personal connection, but at the same time, I agree with you, Maria, that we have the possibility of talking to everyone in the world and, and sharing some experiences like we have now. Yeah. I will say that just to wrap up, um from the perspective for international student as well i feel that once you get into this country your smartphone becomes your best friend because that's the only way in how you can connect with your family and friends back home right so maybe just sending like a real message or like a quick hola como estas it's like a way to feel home without being at home right however like with this quarantine time like it was really surprising for me that I actually had time to really connect with my friends through my phone. Because like usually you just text them and they are busy too. They are in their university life or in their family life. And it as uh, Maria Turan was telling, like maybe they forget to reply to you even though they know that they have to reply to you, right? So during quarantine, like them having a little bit of ex time to just FaceTiming or like in my case oh my god I found out that Instagram has an excellent quality for video calls you guys have to try it uh, so it was like a really exciting period of time especially at the beginning of the quarantine because like we were like experiencing this new phase in our lives so we were like sharing as much details as possible and seeing them through the camera in different video calls in like crazy hours at night that made me feel that I was at home even though I wasn't at home that's true that I found that at the beginning of quarantine it was just like I don't know about you guys but my parents were doing like weekly zoom dinners with all my siblings across the country and my family in Colombia was doing zoom and all this and but I also found that I got to a point where it's like people kind of expected you to just be able to pick up the phone whenever because they just expected you to be free because you're at home and I was I was getting to a point where it's like I've been on Zoom and I've been on time for like six hours straight. I don't want to talk to anyone anymore, but it was just kind of a given, you know? I don't know. I got really tired of it quick, but I'm not saying I, I still love my friends. I'm not saying that I don't, but <laughs> yeah. I agree. Uh, for me, um, we, I think we, we have had like two meetings with uh, one side of, of my family with the girl scenes and, and ankles and then so just like a huge family reunion uh, but I, 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 I'm feeling that these type of meetings just became like I feel they were more of like a work meeting just because everyone was just giving their updates with like what they've been up to for the last two weeks three weeks and we were not like I'm feeling that we didn't engage with each other like engage meaningfully in a conversation where we can discuss and like give our ideas and uh, talk about different topics. It was more as, I'm okay, this is how Toronto is doing. I've been doing this, I've been doing this other thing, that's it. So uh, a few weeks ago, I was able to connect with other family 
members and we had a really nice conversation. We were just talking about like our, our childhood and really nice memories from when we were growing up together. So it was just nice to have a different type of conversation than just talking about how coronavirus is affecting our daily lives. I don't know if you have had this type of change in like the type of conversation you're having with friends and family. Yeah, totally. Like in my case, I feel like at the beginning when I was in Canada, like to connect with my family, we didn't talk much about like the virus. I even had, I remember I had a costume party with my cousin, which was pretty fun, really different. But now with my friends, there's always that topic of, oh, you know, how's the situation? What are you gonna do with your studies? Are you gonna continue studying? So we have put these like rule of, we are not talking about that anymore, even though it's kind of impossible, but we make the best to make like that time of connection just about like what is happening. Also, I find it it's kind of hard because personally, I haven't been out of the house So when they ask me like, oh, what have you been doing? Like, have you seen people? I'm like, no, same as last week. But you, yeah. Are your friends, are you talking to friends in, in Ecuador or in Canada? Both. Um, here in Ecuador, we are still in quarantine. So I haven't really seen my friends from here. Do you ever find it weird to talk to friends who are in Canada? Because now, we, you know, we have these what's that called again the restrictions are uplifted i guess um oh, yeah. we're in different stages yeah we're in different we're... stages so i found that now i can see my friends in person but you know in ecuador you can't see them so do you find it weird to talk to friends who are already in these new stages on totally what i have found is like sometimes social media is also like stresses me a bit Specifically, when I see like my friends in Vancouver, like their Instagram stories, I see them like in restaurants and at the beach. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm just not opening these up anymore because I can't go out. And that really, really bothers me. So yeah, in that sense, it has been kind of hard. Also because I feel it's just like feeling of what if I didn't come back? Like, and that kind of thing. So it's kind of hard. Here is a completely different world. So you have to adapt the conversation too to a world that we are not living like the same situation. It was the it was the best feeling in the world today when I complained to my friend about how a few friends in Portugal have been going to the beach every day and they've been enjoying themselves and enjoying their summer. And I, I was complaining about how I wasn't doing that. And then my friend said, but Leo, the beaches in Rio have opened a week ago. What are you saying? You can go to the beach. So tomorrow, happily, I can say that I'm going to the beach and I can finally, finally do something different. That sounds really cool. Like, honestly, it has been kind of hard for me to also, like, see the different realities between what's going on in Colombia and what's going on here. Because, yeah, for sure, I can enjoy somehow being outside and maybe gather with a couple of friends and stuff. But, like, I feel that I'm a really empathetic person, so I feel bad for my friends that they have to stay home all the time still because the condition is not improving. Right now, uh, restrictions back home became really strong. Uh, the cases is still increasing, and that's why they have to be at home all the time. So it's like really disappointing, like comparing and having these two images 
from Toronto and Bogota and see like Bogota like really empty because police is going around checking that nobody is going outside while in Toronto you see these parts and uh, events and these patios like opening so it's it's really hard and complementing with Anna, what Anna was saying about how overwhelming start becoming just to stay like all day during this calls it got into a point that you couldn't actually do differentiate between your study place, your workplace, and your family place, because everything was summed up either in your computer or in your phone. So you were all the time like watching this screen with different people on different schedules, but you were there in the screen and in your room, right? So for me, it was really hard to start again, like dividing those spaces between what's the time for me in my bed and what's the time for me studying in my bed. You know what I mean? Because it, it became like actually like a routine. So trying to coming back again to that previous routine where I had like different spaces for doing different stuff was really challenging. And technology, even though it seemed as a really helpful tool, it also became like an enemy for me. I don't know if that happened to you guys. Like, how did you guys start dealing with like knowing that your computer it's not only your meeting room, but also your meeting place to stay with your friends all the time? Yeah, that actually, I don't know if you guys saw the meme. It was going around like a month ago where it's like this girl, she's laying in bed and she's like that feeling when you close your laptop after having drinks with the girls on Zoom, but you're actually just drunk and alone in your parents' basement. That really resonated with me. <laughs> But um, yeah, I think that was really hard to differentiate. I, I mean, at the beginning of quarantine, the different spaces. Um, luckily, I'm unemployed and not in school, so I only use Zoom for social reasons now. <laughs> But I can't imagine what it's like for people who have nine to fives. So, <laughs> yeah. In terms of like these type of social events and all that, with um, different clubs that I'm part of, we've been thinking about what type of activities we're going to do uh, during next, well, like this academic year that is about to start in one month. And it's crazy how we had to think about doing more events online than in person. And we are actually taking into account that most likely we will not be able to host any in-person activities because the university hasn't released any information about that or just because we want to keep make sure that we're following the city um, guidelines on like social distancing measures. Uh, but Maria Paz, like I know that you're the president of the Ecuadorian Student Association at UBC and I've been seeing your, your Instagram uh, account and how you're trying to engage with your followers and like the Ecuadorian students that are part of this club. So if you can tell us a little bit more on how, like what type of strategies is your club using to connect with the students Uh, wherever they are right now? It has been really interesting, first because, well, the new, like, exact team we just met once um, before we started working together. So we actually started, like, planning events online. We didn't have this physical interaction, which was kind of uh, different, but it also came with really nice things. Um, in like in our case, the Ecuadorian club is small at UBC, and right now most of our members graduated. We had like 17 uh, Ecuadorians who just graduated. So 
it I think that it has been one of the most special years for the club because it was like their graduation. Uh, we hosted a virtual graduation ceremony. That was our first event. It was really, really nice. It was really fun. Um, interesting because we didn't know how to use Zoom like properly at the beginning. So at the beginning it was like a mess. Everyone was talking. But at the end we realized that that was like the the purpose of the event to make everyone just connect to each other. We also had like a virtual uh, musical presentation in the graduation, which was fun too. And like we had speeches, uh, games and stuff. Um, so that has been like one of our ways to connect. But I feel like social media has also helped us get to more international students because the Ecuadorian Association right now is so small. We also want to like get more international students as members. So what we're doing right now is like we're doing like cooking Fridays. So we show recipes that has been fun. We have used um, different platforms like TikTok. I didn't really use at the beginning and I had to ask my sister for help. She's 15, which was really fun. Um, interesting so I, I think that that has been a good thing about um, connecting with members online we can like connect with more people and also i feel that people even outside of the club can interact even our families so that has been fun too so on us like the organization of latin american studies uh i was the president last year like as the new president congratulations Thank um you. I found that one challenge was doing the elections because before we used to always do elections in person. It was a very informal thing. And, you know, we never had anyone competing against each other for spots ever. That was never a thing before. And then this year with the pandemic hit, we had to do our elections online. Um, and then all of a sudden, and I'm so happy for this, we got tons of people applying to, for these positions, tons of people voting. And I think this this digitalization of the elections and on us in general allowed for a greater participation because I was thinking I'm like what is so different this year is it is it because it's online maybe more people you know are willing they have the time now they don't have to go to a physical place to participate or you know it's not as scary because they don't have to show up in person and give their speech but um I thought that was kind of wonderful like as you said it really grew our platform and I I'm really thankful in a way for that uh I agree with you Anna I think that now with with the team we've been planning different activities um to engage with the students with the olaceros we are looking at uh, netflix parties and dance classes and cooking classes and like different type of activities we can do to engage with the community we're also trying to partner with the latin american studies program to host different charlas and just make sure that we are offering a variety of opportunities and activities for the students because with OLAS we know that there are a lot of students that like to go to social nights, pub nights, because uh, we all have a lot of fun but unfortunately I don't think we will be able to host an event like that one this year. Uh, so yeah we're just looking at different ways when we can connect with other students and as you said, Maria Paz, like TikTok is one, it's been one of the 
new things we've been trying to do. We created a Olas challenge. We it's like dance challenge. So if you wanna, I don't know, accept the challenge, go and look for for our account. I think we are called like Olas Saint George, or I can link, I can uh, give you the, the 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 handle later. But yeah, I would like to first congratulate Raquel for this big achievement, especially during this time. Like I feel that during quarantine, every little achievement was like a huge success because we were like really lost and sometimes we, we felt like really down and we hit points that we never thought that we were going to hit. So every like little accomplishment in life, I feel that right now it's really special. So first of all, congratulations. And also uh, relating to what Anna was saying, like that makes me think how powerful social media became, especially during this time. So what I mean about that is how social media is showing us how powerful connections can it make and the big outreach that it can get. So maybe in this case was that uh, a lot of people in uh, apply for these uh, different positions and decided to participate, right? But if we focus on like other aspects such as, for example, this, this movement about Black Lives Matters, like how quickly this idea of like defending and advocating for these people allowed that the movement gained such a big strength and such, such a big support. So this made me think like, okay, maybe time before quarantine, we will like read an article about what was going on or like we will see some, some people gathering like trying to protest. But during quarantine, like this necessity of being connected and being informed about what's going on led us to know about different stuff that we didn't know before. For example, um, in my case, I could read more about like what was going on in terms of uh, violence against women in my country or like violence against indigenous communities or how disconnected is my country. Like, I was surprised that um, this article from uh, La Revista Semana was saying that 23.8 million of Colombians are not able to gain access to internet while only the 21.7 million of them are able to so like this quarantine yeah we we could have fun like gathering with our friends through some some like some parties or like instagram parties or whatever but we also could learn more about what's going on in the world like we could stop in order to reflect about our reality and start thinking okay maybe the world before quarantine wasn't the best place now we're like acknowledging that during this time of like a break and this type of break and 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 this time of reflection and this just make me feel okay now that i know all of this stuff what i'm gonna do in order to help this world to make it a better world I don't know what you guys think about this. I completely agree with you. And I think that like you mentioned something really important, which is that we have been having this opportunity of question our beliefs too. And social media has also been a way of knowing people in a deeper level. Maybe we can't see them physically, but we can know more about their values, specifically with what is happening now. So, for example, like with Black Lives Matter, people are like speaking up and like talking about it. 
so you can know that person, how that person thinks in more controversial topics that before we didn't really think about. I feel that, for example, in my case, I have had the opportunity to talk with people about topics that before I would never do it in a party, for example. But right now you just, by just like answering an Instagram story, you can start a whole conversation that goes beyond just words. It's, it's I like actually goes on like really important topics. So I think that that has been like really interesting, just knowing people in a deeper level. And yeah, as, as you, Danielle, was saying, this, it facilitates access for people to um, expose their opinions. But in another, in another sense, thinking about how some other people don't have access to this platform, it's interesting to see how in Brazil, for example, students in public schools are not having access to online education because the state doesn't have the infrastructure to provide it to them. And so the national examinations are going to have to be delayed. We have the opportunity to to own a computer and an opportunity to to share certain um, certain basic commodities that allow us to to have so much access to the world. And it's interesting to see how there are people that are affected so much by it because, um, for example, in Brazil, unfortunately, the state doesn't have enough infrastructure to provide um, education to them. I and I think that's that's an important point to bring up because I remember at the beginning of quarantine everybody was filling out do you remember those bingo cards on their Instagram stories yeah. and like doing all the Instagram challenges but at that exact same time millions of people were losing their jobs and I was just like what is like oh like and I remember I was just like very stressed during this period of time and I hated social media because you know I was one of those people I lost my job you know, all of us our lives got turned upside down and I was like I don't, I don't care about your bingo. I don't care about this. Like, real shit is happening. But at the same time, it was also a way to cope. It was also a way for people to just like, like you know, stay connected and and have some fun. So I think that's interesting how there's these two digital lives happening at the same time, and and maybe like a lack of digital life that people couldn't enjoy like we did. And I will say that it's something that continues. Like right, like nowadays, there's these like there are other trends happening, not only on like TikTok, but also other social media platforms. Like at least I've seen pictures of uh, a lot of friends from Ecuador that are posting uh, a picture in black and white uh, of themselves, especially if they're like women. So it's uh, this new trend to support like women support women. We are supporting each other. We are empowering each other. So. I think that that type of activities, I think it's good to have them because it creates this kind of community. But at the same time, it's hard when you, as you, as you said, Anna, like a lot of people are losing their jobs, are um, dealing with uh, different mental health issues, are experiencing uh, grief, are having really tough times. So I think it's just too hard to find balance between what you see, what you use in social media, how you interact, how you use these, these platforms with how your life is taking place outside of your yeah. or your computer. Yeah, and I also think with that same phenomenon, there's been an increase on like policing of what people post. Uh, I, I'm specifically remembering, as Lenin said, the Black Lives Matter movement where, you know, there's a lot of 
social awareness and like social media campaigns and it was great and fantastic and but at the same time if people were posting things that weren't related to social movements it was this big deal like if you post a, a selfie right now you're you're unaware you're you're not part of the movement all these things and i i find it really interesting how all of a sudden like you know we've always been judged off what we post since the beginning of social media but it became or what so you don't post. Or you, what you don't post, exactly. And it, it got to a point where I remember, like, you know, I, w- I was still posting these things and my friends were like, I'm scared to post a story right now because people are going to call me insensitive. And I was like, wow, this is this is so, even though the people I know are reading books and they're very aware and they're, they advocate for these movements, but just because they don't post it on social media doesn't mean they're not aware. Like, that was, that was a big thing that I've been struggling with. And I don't, I'd love to hear your thoughts and also like adding a little bit like again this uh, double side weapon or star mother the double field that is this miscommunication and misinformation because i remember for example with the movement uh, of black life matters like, i remember all of my friends posting this black square and some people saying okay yeah support and post your black square but others were saying like no don't post it because you're gonna miss the real information so it's again like I feel that this time like help us again to rethink about how we like in in what ways we want to support and we want to share our point of view and we want to create awareness, being mindful of what is real at what is still being uncertain, and also like being careful about what could be a mis a what could be misunderstood or what could be a uh, misinformation for others because like the the, the deal here with uh, social media and with technology overall is that it's easier to do something that is going to be first of all unforgettable and second of all sometimes you can come back to to what it was so my point is that it's easier to just post something in two seconds and after that just because of the outreach that it has misinformate a lot of people or like give the wrong idea so again the invitation here of using social media is being like you conscious about what you want to share what you want to support and that you are totally informed about what you're going to share because you don't know how people may interpret that information and also how that how people can um react and how that people can take action based on the information that you share. Yeah, I, I agree. But going back to Anna's uh, question, I think that it's hard. It's hard because from from my perspective, at the time when I was seeing a lot of my friends from Canada posting the Black Square or just resources about how to support Black Lives Matter movement, the Black Lives Matter movement here in Toronto or other Black organizations in Canada, I was uh, looking at pictures from friends from home that were not in the same page of information. So while they were posting like selfies and pictures about their dogs, I was looking at pictures from friend, friends from here, Canada, um, of information related to the Black Lives Matter movement. So I think it's hard. I think it really depends the type of like post you're like posting. <laughs> Um, the type of like who's your audience like what's what's a what's the goal but at the same time sometimes I think that uh, like Instagram is just a an app where you can post pictures and you can use that 
to do some kind of activist activities, but at the same time, it's just a page where you can post a picture of a nice sunset, right? So I think it's just hard to, I'll say that you, it's, it's hard to satisfy everyone because if you post the black square, a lot of people are going to be like, don't do that. You're not supporting the movement. This is, you are not meaningfully engaging with the movement. You're done doing enough. You're not doing enough. Whereas where you, if you post something else, it's just like everyone is going to judge you no matter what you do. So I would just say that there are more things you can do beyond posting stuff on social media. And that's on you. Like if you want to keep your Instagram feed just based on your pictures, that's fine. If you want to be an activist, go for it. But don't expect the rest to do the same as you're doing. Because I think that there are a lot of activists that are not, are not posting the stuff they're doing because or they don't want to show off the type of things they, they've been up to or they don't see Instagram as a, like the place where they can share these information. So it's hard, but in my opinion, I try to like engage in different ways with this type of social uh, like issues. But if you want to be an activist, like fully into social media, go for it like i don't i don't think there's a like a one size fits all in these type of scenarios to be honest yeah like i completely agree with you i think that here um it is important also to learn about our boundaries and how to respect other other people's boundaries too like how they interact with social media doesn't doesn't change or doesn't make them um like you cannot judge them for that specifically. I think that it, it has been really hard to balance. Um, yeah, like that of how am I gonna interact with people? Are they gonna think that um, I'm insensitive and that kind of thing. But at the end, we all use it in the way that um, help us better and how we think we can make a change in, in, in a better way. Also, I feel that because right now, like we were talking about the place where everything is, is social media. Mental health has been like a really sensitive topic. We don't have these physical interactions, which I have found that really affect your life and the energy you get. So how you interact with social media. And sometimes like I find myself just telling my friends, you know what, I, I really don't want to talk to you. I'm sorry. But for today, I'm just not talking to you. It's not that I don't like you, I'm just tired. Which I think it's fair too, like just respect other boundaries and respect your boundaries too in that sense. I, I understand that I try to make our digital reality as much of a reflection of my own reality as possible. And that's why I sometimes try to share moments of unhappiness and lack of success rather than just showing moments where I'm out and where I'm um, I'm doing something so it's to show more of the humane side of people because I feel sometimes on Instagram you get you get so many people sharing their positive moments and happy moments and this lack of and even activist posts but never the sad moments in life and never the uncomfortable moments and I feel sometimes that I like to share those too to try to make the experience in social in social media a little bit more humane yeah I agree. That's why I have a Finsta. <laughs> um, for you guys who maybe don't know, a Finsta is a fake Instagram where you can just post whatever's on your mind. And I find that it's a great outlet. But 
is it public? No. So maybe maybe I should be making my Finsta public. I don't know what you think, Lil. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, no, no, right? I, I you, feel so excluded now. No, just you can follow it. You can no, follow it. You're good. <laughs> um, but but yeah, but I, I there was one thing that Danyan was saying about miscommunications in digital realities and I kind of want to switch the gears to romantic relationships what are what's up with that on in our digital lives are we on tinder are we on bubble what's going on let's talk about catfish (laughs) catfish (laughs) have you had any catfish experiences during quarantine Daniel? uh well let's omit my loving type of uh, life because honestly I'm really bad for relationships I'm always the best friend. Let's leave it like that. I think that that's like a really interesting topic. I was reading an article about it and I I found like really shocking that at least I thought like, okay, I'm like like in my 20s and right now I can't go out. Even my mom was telling me like, I can't imagine how hard it is for you. Like you can meet people. I'm like, okay, mom, I know let's keep it like that like I already know and but I found this article and it was saying like it's actually easier to find a romantic relationship right now because you kind of connect better with that person without seeing them physically it's just like you know like this mental connection I honestly I don't I don't agree 100% I think it's pretty hard but um I find I find that like that's interesting like just meeting someone over Zoom or whatever and at the end you don't really know them or you don't even know if you will see them like I don't know it could just be a online and I actually believe you because I have a a friend of mine from here uh, in Canada that she met with her boyfriend through Tinder like at the beginning was like kind of embarrassing for her to admit it and like just few people know about that sorry friend i didn't mean to say that (laughs) but uh, yeah they were embarrassed because like there's still this stigma about like you finding your loved one through social media or like social or dating apps and i feel that as your girl was saying it related to a social media like just do what makes you happy you know what i mean like what makes you feel good as long as you're not being hurtful or disrespectful or just hurting somebody else just do it you know what i mean why don't you take that advantage for me in my case i'm sorry a very, a very traditional i like to feel the the chemistry with that person in that moment you know what i mean that is specific look that maybe you won't get in zoom so yeah for me it's like a different type of experience but i feel that if people think that this is the perfect time to start like finding their loved one and maybe who knows like after quarantine like get uh, a formal relationship just go ahead like we totally support you in that journey i find that interesting um i'm gonna expose myself here i actually met my boyfriend on tinder a year ago <laughs> we've been together for a year but yeah and it was kind of weird for me to say at first i was like yeah i met him on tinder like this is weird but i i don't care anymore mm-hmm. But I can't imagine, because, you know, we met on Tinder. We talked for a couple of days, and then we met in person. So it's basically the same. But I, I can't imagine starting a relationship online and being online for a couple months. Um, I have a friend who is doing that right now, 
and it works for him and he's very happy that way because as you said maria like it's more of a, a mental collect connection you get to really know the person's thoughts and feelings but i don't know i find that interesting and it could be the same with friendships i know a lot of people are just making new friends online right now too so yeah but the lack of physicality is the worst right and as latinos we can all agree that we're very physical and very close and up close and I miss the physicality of things. And that's why I, th- I can totally understand what Maria is saying, where people are looking for more people online, because I can definitely miss this, the, the, close, the closeness and the, this closeness aspect of being around with people that you can't get in the digital platform. It's almost like you're trying really hard to reach it and it's really close, but being at Zoom, it really doesn't feel like being with a person yet, you know? But honestly, I think people are cheating. I think people are saying they're meeting on Zoom, but they're probably meeting up in person (laughs) just not saying it but that's just (laughs) my observation (laughs) i don't know i'm not a huge fan of dating apps i'm not really into like getting one of them right now so uh oh i don't know i I feel that it also it will depend where you are at the time because i feel here in canada i can at least go out on a date if that makes sense like keep my distance if i want but i I think that the case would be different if i was like I was, I don't know, if I was somewhere else. I think that, so, and like, another topic that has come up with this of relationships and where you come from, I feel that it's in, and also in friendships, like, about consent. Because right now, I feel it's not the same consent as before. Right now, you're saying, like, is it okay for you to if I take out my mask, is it okay for you if we see each other like um, with less than two meters of distance? Kind of things that I find it like really crazy. Like how am I gonna ask someone like, can I talk with you without a mask and that type of things? But in like relationships and in friendships too, right now it's really important like going to your friend's house and just telling them, well, is it okay like if I go in with my shoes or should I take my shoes off like that kind of thing um, it just starts new conversations that before we will never have and I totally agree with you Maria like this happened to me that after like three months since everything started like the quarantine and stuff the volunteer group that I'm part of we had like our first like meeting like after the quarantine time and I remember that it was like really weird because the first person that I encountered, she was like, okay, then and she went to hug me. I was like, okay, I'm going to hug her. You know what I mean? Like, I just trust that no, nothing bad happens, right? But I was going to do the same with another friend and she stopped me and she was like, hey, listen, Daniel, we're still under a pandemic. Why do you want to hug me? I was like, oh my God, I felt like the worst human in the world. Like, I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, did they do it? Did I do something wrong? Like, did I cross a boundary? Like, how boundaries are gonna work right now, like from this moment forward? Because as you were saying, Maria, now we have this different type of like social rules and like this idea of social distancing and this idea, this real idea about that you are in a bubble, so nobody, you don't want that nobody touch your bubble because you don't know what will happen, you know? And especially as uh, Leo was saying, us as Latinos that we're really emotional and we like to show and express our emotions with others through hugs, kisses, um, little touches and stuff. 
it's like how I'm gonna start dealing with this like how I prepare myself to don't feel rejected because the person that is asking me to don't cross the boundary is just doing it because he's trying to protect them Harold or himself they're just doing because of this reason not because they don't love me I feel that this new idea is kind of controversial and I'm still trying to deal with that because sometimes now that I go outside to visit my Latino friends I have to double think should I hug this person should I kiss this person or should I keep my two meters away from them yeah I think that's a that's that's really interesting I have a story about that too so when restrictions lifted all my friends were so excited to see each other we rented a cottage but then we kind of got in a not in a fight but in a discussion about okay, what are the what are the boundaries? And I was like, okay, well, if we're going to meet up, everyone has to promise me that they're going to socially distance for two weeks and we're all going to get tested before meeting up because we don't want to bring anything back home. And then it was one of them was like, well, no, I, I'm not going to sacrifice two weeks of my life. And, you know, it just kind of got in this whole thing. It's like, okay, so how much contact is too much contact? And what say do we have over other people's decisions when we're building these friendships. So I think that is really interesting, the question about boundaries. And I think we're gonna have this like this question for the next month. Like that question is here to stay. And I think it's just important for us to figure out what are our own boundaries and how are we how do we want to interact with people and friends and how we are using online platforms to connect with them from like right now to until thing goes back to certain kind of normality. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just, we have to get comfortable with this uncomfortable conversations of, of that. Like, can I hack you? Is it okay if I take out my mask? Um, I remember my best friend, he, he was like selling um, enchiladas. So I, bought him some entidades and he came and it was a lot and of course he was like two meters away from me and his brother was like help her help her like with the packages and like help her until she gets home and I felt really bad and I was like I'm sorry but you can go inside my house and that felt like so so bad but that relationship of him understanding you know like okay it's okay I understand that you that you don't don't want it and it's not about just you it's about your family too it's really important it's just like to understand talk about it and be honest with what makes sense and comfortable well at least in a podcast we don't have to discuss any boundaries to say goodbye but i would like to first remind everyone that el cafecito is available on soundcloud itunes and spotify and with now you can stay with my virtual hugs and my virtual kisses I'd like to thank everyone for coming. Bye-bye, and I see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Thank you. Adios, adios.